Hello and welcome back to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Now, of course, over the last couple of months, things have been very different around the world with the coronavirus lockdown, etc. And of course, that's put very much a pause on um, real-world motorsport uh, over the last little while. And that has also had an effect on the content that I've chosen to produce for the show over the last couple of months. But uh, we thought we'd turn a disadvantage into an advantage because, of course, with no racing, a lot of racing personalities were stuck at home as well. So I thought I would use that opportunity to approach a couple of people who I really wanted to to interview for the show uh, and ask them to come along. And, well, I was incredibly delighted with the response that uh, I got. I had the guys um, from Dinner with Racers, one of my favourite podcasts uh, on on racing, uh, with Sean Heckman and Ryan Eversley, who um, present that show. And they were were a lot of fun to have on the programme. I had Rahel Fry, a factory Audi driver, um, customer, uh, Audi customer racing driver. Um, she was so charming uh, and really enjoyed chatting to her and hearing about her career and how when she's at home, she still goes in to work in the family car dealership uh, and loves that kind of normality that that brings when she comes home from the racetrack. So it was great to, to chat to her. And then I also had one of my, to be honest, one of my commentary heroes on. I had the, the incredible privilege of having Nick Harris. Um, now, for those who don't know who Nick is, Nick was the voice of Motorcycle Grand Prix Racing for nearly nearly 25 years. Uh, and um, all of the big Valentino Rossi victories, to me, they just have the back, the back noise of... Uh, of of Nick's dulcet tones calling some of those races and Nick was he spared well over an hour of his time to have a chat and talk through his career and uh, and also modern day MotoGP and that was really I have to say I was uh, I was pinching myself um, talking about that I also had Colin Clark the voice of Rally himself um, Colin who does the uh, the uh, thoughts from the kitchen table uh, YouTube uh, program and also does a lot of stage-end reporting in the World Rally Championship and has been, uh, as I say, the voice of rally um, for, um, well, goodness me, for, near, for again, about 13 years uh, or, or so. So it was brilliant to have so many of those people on. While uh, there wasn't any racing to talk about, it was great to, to be able to dive into that. On, on my own front, on my personal front, it's been an incredibly exciting couple of months as well since I last spoke to you all the lovely listeners uh, I've been able to develop my um, my journey towards becoming a professional motor racing commentator which is what uh, this this podcast really is all about um, for me is to is to really f- further that journey uh, and grow my knowledge and also um, basically express my love of of motorsport and I've been very lucky to uh, because in motor racing we have we're very fortunate because in motor racing it's one of the very few sports if not the only sports that can be so closely replicated uh, via a simulation of course 
you can't replicate kicking a football uh, or th- or throwing a cricket ball uh, on the on, on a computer simulation. But in motor racing, you have you many many you have very accessible equipment where you can have a steering wheel pedals, gear shift paddles, uh, and very, very good simulation software programs like iRacing, etc. And eSports and, and um, uh, virtual racing has provided an, a very good tonic um, to the absence of motorsport uh, as well. And we've seen so many real-world drivers adopting sim racing. And of course, that's given me an excellent opportunity to get involved with commentary while all the circuits are or were closed. Um, so I've been able to commentate uh, on the Global Sim Racing channel, on Apex Racing TV, uh, and also Sim Racers World, and particularly been involved with a lot of the inaugural races uh, with the Porsche Club of Great Britain's Sim Racing Championship as well, which has been a great, uh, priv- <coughs> excuse me, it's been a great, uh, a great privilege uh, indeed to to do that. But we're now getting back to the point where we have racing happening. So I thought, rather than um, rather than you know kind of try to make up content where it's not there, I thought I would hit pause on the podcast uh, in its in its usual format and wait till some racing began to resume. And last weekend that happened because we saw the restart of the Australian V8 Supercar Championship with the BP Ultimate Sydney Super Sprint. Now, V8 Supercars is the premier motor racing category in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, In Australia and New Zealand, it really is the main focus. And particularly in Australia, commands immense popularity and is one of the most popular spectator sports in Australia alongside Aussie Rules Football, rugby and cricket. It stands right there uh, with that level of, of fan interest. And the, um, the the formula for this category is incredibly, uh, well, it's, it's in, in some ways it's old-fashioned, but it's actually uh, a re- really, really nice that it still exists in its current form. So su- supercars, as the name suggests, they are monster machines based on relatively humble underpinnings. So you have uh, two manufacturers at play. You have Holden, um, which is an Australian-only brand owned by General Motors, which will come on to the future of Holden in a bit. But And you also have Ford. So it's the Holden Commodore, which is a kind of four-door saloon car, and uh, now the Ford Mustang, which is a two-door coupe. Although pre- a couple of years ago, uh, Ford were using a car called the Falcon, which, uh, again, was a four-door saloon car exclusive to the Australian market. But now we have the Mustang and we have the Commodore. But that rivalry, that Ford versus Holden rivalry, uh, still exists and is a big part of what the sport is built upon. And the thing I love about the V8 Supercar Championship is that with so many motorsport categories going to smaller capacity engines, turbocharging, and to be honest, with turbocharging in particular, you tend not to get the same oral impact that is so important in motorsport. But in supercars you have a very simple uh, and uh, an old-fashioned formula. So it's a naturally aspirated, no turbochargers at all, 5-litre V8 with 650 horsepower. So these machines are absolute 
animals. They do not have paddle shift gearboxes so that you can't change gear with your fingers. You've got to take your left hand off the steering wheel and pull the pull a big lever towards you to go up a gear and push it away from you to go down a gear. So it's a much more physical way uh, of, of driving. A lot of the times you'll see the drivers driving with their right hand and changing gear with their left. Uh, one of the major things though about V8 supercars is the weight of these cars. They weigh one and a half tons, which is more than double a Formula One or Indy car. They actually weigh about the same as a NASCAR, so they are really, really heavy. Um, the major race that most people will have heard of, of course, is the Bathurst 1000, and that is really the jewel in the crown of the Supercars Championship, and that happens every year uh, in early October, and fingers crossed, we're going to be able to see that event this year. But the series as well is dominated by drivers from Australia and New Zealand and currently it is only Aussie and Kiwi drivers who take part in the championship. We have had other drivers from out with of Australia and New Zealand taking part. For example, uh, the Swiss driver, Simona de Silvestro, she was running in the championship until the end of last year. You sometimes do see drivers from other countries coming in in the later part of the season when we have what's called the Pertec Enduro Cup when uh, they basically have longer races where the drivers require a co-driver to assist them with driving duties. But for now, uh, when we're at the, effectively the sprint stage of the championship, uh, it's all Australians and Kiwis taking part. So it's a particularly specific discipline. Of course, it's quite unusual, as I say, unusual now uh, in the motorsport world to have not only such a heavy car, but a car with such monstrous uh, horsepower uh, as well. So who are the who are the personalities in the in the series? Who are the main championship protagonists? Well, it all comes down at the moment. It all comes down to two teams. It comes down to DGR Team Penske and their Ford Mustang, and Triple Eight Engineering and their Holden. So uh, you might recognise the name Penske. It is the same Penske of you know the most successful ever IndyCar, um, Indy Five Hundred uh, team owner Roger Penske uh, of you know, Penske. Well. You know, he needs no introduction to us, Roger Penske, owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, owner of the IndyCar series and so many other ventures. But um, a couple of years ago, he came in and um, partnered with uh, Dick Johnson Racing and so became DGR Team Penske. And a couple of years ago, they signed a young Kiwi called Scott McLaughlin, who came into the championship with incredible verve uh, and, uh, and, and well, just in incredible performances uh, when he came into the championship in 2014 at the wheel of the then-new uh, Volvo uh, S60 V8 supercar. Now, sadly, Volvo only stayed in the championship for a couple of years, but not only the Volvo, but Scott McLaughlin driving this Volvo really um, really shook up the established order of the sport. And it was really where Scott McLaughlin made his, uh, made his mark. But in 2017, uh, he moved to the DJR team, Penske team, to drive their Ford Falcon and came 
ever so close to winning the championship in his very first year and was pipped at the post uh, in Newcastle in the final final round. That's Newcastle in Australia, not in, in the UK. And he was pipped by uh, Jamie Wincup, who then p- picked up his seventh championship. But he was able to avenge uh, in the following year, again in the Ford Falcon by winning the championship in 2018. And then in the brand new Ford Mustang, won the championship last year, along with his first ever Bathurst 1000 victory as well. So right now, Scott McLaughlin is the guy who's riding on the crest of a wave. He's very much in favour in the Penske organisation and is tipped to be making a a race debut uh, in the IndyCar series at the wheel of one of Roger Penske's cars. And he has been incredibly impressed, uh, incredibly impressive in testing uh, at the wheel of that particular car as well, and Scott's wife Carly is actually from the United States. So there is a there is a very much um, you know very much speculation that Scott's long term future might be racing in the United States of America. But he's the reigning double world champion, uh, double double V eight supercar champion, sorry, and uh, also the reigning Bathurst champion. So he's the man with the target on his back, on the back of his number 17 Mustang. However, he doesn't have it all his own way. He has two guys that he's really got to worry about every single time he goes to the track, and that is the two drivers from AAA Engineering, or Red Bull Holden, as they're often known as. So it's the real, the proper war between not only the Ford brand and the Holden brand, but the uh, DGR Team Penske and Red Bull Holden. They're really, that is the proper rivalry, uh, which has existed for a long time uh, between these two teams. And the drivers for Triple Eight, we have Jamie Wincup, who we'll talk a, a little bit about more later, but really, um, statistically at least, the greatest uh, V8 supercar driver of all time, with seven championships to his name. But also we have Shane Van Gisbergen, who is one of the finest drivers uh, anywhere in the world. And you, Shane is uh, has driven with Holden, with Red Bull Holden, for a number of years now, uh, with a, with one championship under his belt. Um. But Shane is an incredibly versatile driver. He's a very quiet uh, Kiwi from New Zealand. Um, But you'll see Shane doing a lot of other racing around the world. For example, he raced in the Rolex 24-hour at Daytona this year uh, and has done many times in the past as well. So he he does a lot of GT racing. He's raced with McLaren. He's raced with Porsche, with Lexus at at Daytona this year. So he's he's a really, really um, flexible driver. We also saw him driving in the Asian Le Mans series in an LMP2 prototype, and he's tipped to go to, um, he's actually on the entry list to be racing in that LMP2 prototype at Le Mans this year. So Shane, an incredibly versatile driver, and when he gets behind the wheel of a Holden supercar, it's just a, a joy to behold. So those are the three main guys that are making up the majority of the race wins and podiums at this moment in time. However, as we'll come on to, the, the order is beginning to be shaken up a little bit more after perhaps a year or so of the series perhaps struggling a little bit with domination from the Penske and Triple Eight cars. We're starting to see more drivers getting a little bit closer to us upsetting that order. The two main drivers here are 
the Tickford Ford team's um, driver, Cam Waters, um, who runs in the Monster Energy Drink car in their very distinctive black and green uh, livery. Cam is one of the one of the younger drivers in the uh, in the series. He's been in for a couple of years now, and Cam is one of the drivers who I tip um, to be to be progressing up the up the field. And Tickford are uh, a team who run a number of uh, Ford Mustangs in the championship, and he has been very very impressive. Um, and just not not quite had the luck to get that big to get that really big significant victory yet, but um, he's knocking on the door. The other guy is Chaz Moster. Now, Chaz Moster is a little bit like Shane Van Gisbergen. He's, again, a very um, adaptable and um, very, well, why would you describe it? Um, he, he's a very flexible driver. You know, he, he has a great uh, relationship with BMW, so does a lot of sports car racing with BMW, both at the Bathurst 12-hour at the wheel of the M6 GT3, but also um, drove in the Rolex 24-hour at Daytona in the factory BMW GTLM car and actually went on to win the race this year with immense pressure from both factory Porsches and went on to win the race alongside Augusto Farfus, Jesse Krohn and John Edwards. Um, so, uh, and to be honest, Chaz's stint through the, the middle of the night uh, at Daytona was absolutely exemplary. Chaz has made a big switch this year. He's been a, a Ford man for many years and have won the Bathurst 1000 back in 2014 at the wheel of a Ford. But he's made the switch uh, over the fence to Holden and specifically with the Walkinshaw Andretti United team. So uh, a real superstar um, ownership there as well. Of course, you have uh, the son of Tom Walkinshaw, Ryan Walkinshaw. You have uh, Michael Andretti, son of Marco Andretti. And then United Autosports, uh, Zach Brown, um, who is the, the chief executive of racing at McLaren. So there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of big brass in that team. And Chaz Moster has made the move over and to, to them. And so far, that switch is working really, really well for, for, both, uh, for both parties. So we got started in the, the season, God, it seems quite a while ago now, at the end of February with the Adelaide Superloop 500. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, the, basically we, we, the um, V8 Supercar Championship uh, has one visit a year with the Formula One paddock. When the Formula One paddock starts their season in Melbourne, the V8 Supercars play uh, a supporting role. And as we all know, uh, the paddock turned up to Melbourne for racing, but with the ever-emerging coronavirus pandemic, um, no uh, no racing took place. So only the Superloop 500 at Adelaide has, 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 has taken place so far. Uh, but during that, that particular time, obviously we've been 106 days a gap between the, the V8 supercars being out on track, and during that time, a lot has happened. And of course, in motorsport, um, commer the commercial aspect is so important. To motorsport is such an expensive sport um, to to run, and running a race team is just an incredibly expensive endeavor. So, in order to pay for that, you need commercial sponsors, where you have the branding on the car, you have a lot of business to business connections as well, corporate entertainment, and su and and such like. But, of course, with the current coronavirus pandemic, it's had some absolutely disastrous economic consequences for many companies with redundancies and um, often businesses being forced to, to close completely, which has caused havoc with the global economy. And that already is having an impact in 
Motorsport. Will Davidson, who is a, a veteran of the V8 Supercar Championship, um, had a, made a brilliant start to the season. Um, he'd made the switch to Tickford Racing uh, and uh, was started. He had the backing of uh, Milwaukee and was made a brilliant start. And his Ford Mustang was one of the quickest cars in the uh, in the series and made a brilliant start to the season. But sadly. Milwaukee, his major sponsor, uh, had to um, had to pull their support away from the team uh, and step back while the coronavirus pandemic was carrying on. So what that meant was that Will Davidson was then out of a drive. Um, so he lost his drive through no fault of his own. Simultaneously, James Courtney, a former champion, James Courtney had started off the, the first round of the season with the new Team Sydney outfit. Now, James Courtney has a lot of personal backing from uh, the Boost Mobile um, company. And Boost Mobile basically go wherever James Courtney goes, it would appear. Now, after the first round, uh, where James Courtney crashed out of the Superloop Adelaide 500, uh, James Courtney actually split with Team Sydney, and there are many theories as to why um, that was the case. So, James Courtney was then left on the sidelines as well. Uh, and basically, it's one of these things in racing where uh, it just, when the cards either fall in their, your favour and they don't. And of course, when Will Davidson lost his drive uh, because of the lack of Milwaukee backing, James Courtney was able to step in with the Boost Mobile backing and basically Davidson out, Courtney in at the Tickford Ford Racing Organisation. Now, as we got started uh, uh, again uh, at the weekend here at the, the Sydney Super Sprint, James Courtney not quite up to the, the speed of uh, Will Davidson yet, but it would be unfair to make a judgment just yet because bear in mind that James Courtney has been driving Holden's for a number of years now and for him to come in and switch to the Ford Mustang it is a different car. Um, so we've got to give him a few races to get up to speed, but... Um, most of the time sitting outside of the top 10. And of course, Will Davidson had spent, well, he went, when he, the season stopped um, after Adelaide, he was fifth in the championship. So a different situation there. So we'll need to see if James Courtney can uh, can make make his way up the uh, up the grid. So we also saw Jamie Wincup, um, you know, the really the greatest of all time, statistically at least, make his 500th race start in the V8 Supercar Championship. He started back in 2002, a long time ago now, and from his 500 start he has had 119 race wins. So more than one in five of the races he started, he has made it to victory lane. An extraordinary batting average. He's also clicked, he's also clocked up Four Bathurst 1000 victories, victories that are so hard to get, such a difficult race to win the Bathurst 1000, but he has four, and crucially, seven V8 Supercar Championships. So an extraordinary record, and one that looks set to be added to as the season carries on. So, for, like many series will have to, V8 Supercars have had to make a number of changes uh, to their sporting regulations and also, um, in general, just the way that they go about a race weekend to be able to go back racing safely in these current times that we live in with uh, a global uh, health uh, pandemic in still uh, at large, for lack of a better description. 
So, to summarise the new post um, post COVID lockdown regulations. We've got shorter sprint races and, crucially, a reduced two-day weekend. Normally, V8 supercars will follow a traditional three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, but the Friday has been dropped and the racing just takes place on Saturday and Sunday. But we have three races and three qualifying sessions to to fit in, so it's a busy, busy weekend for the drivers, but more so for the teams. Teams are only permitted 11 staff in total to run two cars, which is extraordinarily difficult. Of course, you need the drivers as well, so in theory it's 13 staff for two cars, but 11 um, 11 technical staff, and the teams are given a curfew of how long they can be at the circuit. They are also um, limited to the amount of data that they can gather because, of course, in order to gather the data, you need personnel to do it. The pit stops as well are very interesting as well, of course, because a much reduced crew uh, over over the wall. Um, so the that made a really interesting, um, really interesting impact to the the pit stops. The pit stops now taking longer, about four seconds to change two tires and eight seconds to change four tires. So really, really interesting dynamic there, which as we saw throughout the race, really added to the spectacle rather than take it away. Sadly, no fans for now. Hopefully, we'll get to that later in the season. But at the moment, the events are closed, are, are, are held behind uh, closed doors. Supercars do not um, mandate the use of face masks, face masks, but the two big teams, Penske and Triple Eight, both mandated their staff to wear them. A small price to pay to get back to the racetrack. But one of the biggest things uh, that's new in V8 supercars this year is a limit of tires so effectively the the drivers don't have enough tires at their disposable at their disposal to put new tires on every time they need to so in essence they've got to basically sometimes uh, sacrifice being on an older used tire and having to keep reusing it uh, and then when they've got to really be careful when they choose to put that brand new fresh rubber because the difference in the lap time is massive now luckily we didn't see we didn't see what we saw in, in Formula One, where you see drivers just driving incredibly slowly on purpose because of the tyre, and that's the only way to make it work. We actually saw still the drivers driving flat out, and it really, really helped uh, with the racing. Um, Sydney Motorsports Park is not uh, is not an easy place to overtake, particularly in these monstrous V8 supercar machines, and we'll get onto a big reason why that's the case in a moment. But with the the and difference in tires, it really and with some drivers being on newer tires, some being on older, that caused a lot of movements around the around the field throughout the races. Also, the shorter sprint race format, thirty two lap race, which lasts for about an hour, um, maybe just under an hour, with one mandatory pit stop, that worked really really well uh, as a format in in my view. So. To watch the V8 Supercar Championship, you can, if you live in Australia, it's it's live on television there, but also the, the, the series have a, a thing called Superview, which is effectively an online streaming platform, costs about 40 Australian dollars for the entire season, and it's well, well worth it. Every practice session, every qualifying, and every race, and I swear by it, it's really, really good. And the, the, the production team are all uh, ex-racers, like guys like Mark Scaife, um, and Neil Crompton, etc. They, they've been there and done it at the very highest level and add a really interesting element to the broadcast. One person, however, we did 
uh, miss on the broadcast was Rihanna Crehan, who's one of the pit lane reporters and actually wife of driver Will Davidson. And unfortunately, Will and Rihanna found themselves sitting at home rather than being back racing. Will, of course, because he's lost his drive, but Rihanna because, again, the TV crew were, were limited. And she mainly focuses on pit lane and pit lane interviewing, which, of course, has a few difficulties with social distancing and such. So hopefully we'll see Rihanna back very soon because she adds a great element to the broadcast as well. So what did we see in terms of results? Well, race one, uh, it was almost business as usual, really. We saw Scott McLaughlin from the minute he came out in practice and qualifying straight on the pace. You know, Scott's been working very, very hard on his fitness. He's not a, he's not got much weight to spare anyway, but he'd lost 10 kilograms during lockdown. So he would have been training incredibly hard and has done thousands of laps on his simulator uh, at home uh, as well. So he was straight out uh, in his Mustang and put his put it on pole um, for race one uh, and won the race from pole position. However, he did not have it all his own way. He actually had to be very clever with pit strategy. He actually ended up coming in a little bit earlier to get off the old tyres, which he'd burned up quite badly in the first stint uh, and got onto new tyres. So he was able to, um, to, to catch up and was able to then undercut Shane Van Gisbergen in the Holden, who um, who pitted much later. So when it came to the, the latter part of the race, uh, it, it meant that actually Shane and um, uh, Scott were right beside each other on track, and you had Shane Van Gisbergen hassling Scott McLaughlin right on his back bumper for the last sort of six or seven laps, and it was incredibly exciting. Um, but Shane Van Gisbergen was very, very firm but fair and not putting in any silly moves. And Scott McLaughlin did not miss a beat. Not a single apex missed, not a single breaking point miss, mixed, uh, and was able to keep Shane Van Gisbergen behind him. Now, after the race, Van Gisbergen made a very interesting point. He said, whenever you got too close to the car in front, you're getting a lot a lot of what's called aero wash and a lot of overheating of the front tyres. So aero wash is effectively when the air coming off the car in front uh, is effectively very turbulent. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as dirty air. It's a huge issue in Formula One right now. And it's basically the way that the aerodynamics of the cars are set and that can be make a huge difference to whether overtaking is easy or very difficult. One issue that V8 Supercars has had in the last couple of years is uh, a, a, too much of a dependence on aerodynamics and the aerodynamics becoming too um, far too um, um, far too overbearing and therefore making overtaking incredibly difficult. You know, we heard Garth Tander talking about at Bathurst, him using a similar braking point in a GT3 sports car to a V8 supercar. Now, that shouldn't be the case. You should be able to brake much later in the GT3 sports car because of its weight uh, and it's also its aerodynamics. But the aerodynamics were such in the V8 supercar that, that you can you can almost brake as late uh, in in that car, which is which is unusual and was definitely spoiling the racing. Now, this year we do have a little bit of reduction in aerodynamics, but clear to be able to try and stop that dirty air to make cars able to, to drive more closely to one another. But we're still, we are, we are um, obviously causing problems because Shane wasn't able to, to, to make that move. However, as we saw um, with this new tyre limit and the new tyre rules, we've seen a lot more overtaking over the weekend, which was a really, really good thing, but still work um, to do. Now, race two, 
race two is incredibly exciting. We saw Jamie Wincup starting from pole for his 500th race in the Supercar Championship and driving an absolutely perfect um, first stint. However, and you would think so far so normal, you know, Red Bull Holden driver uh, clears off into the distance and wins the race. Well, um, Brad Jones Racing's uh, very own Nick Perka in his Dunlop Super Dealers Holden had other ideas. And ironically, his, um, his title sponsor is, is Dunlop because it was the Dunlop tyres that really made the difference. At the end of the first stint, about halfway through the race, Percat was able to get back onto the back of um, Jamie Wincup and was able to reel him in uh, at quite a pace. When he came into pit lane, instead we saw some drivers taking two tyres and sometimes even some drivers even taking four tyres. But Nick Perkow was clever. He took three, um, so just that little bit longer. But w Jamie Wincup and his Olden only took two tyres. And as the race progressed, the advantage that Nick Perkat had by putting on three new tyres rather than just two was dramatic and allowed him to be able to catch up with Jamie Wincup and barge his way past and clear off to win the race. His first race win since Adelaide back in 2016. So all of a sudden, on our return to racing in the V8 Supercar Championship, we now have... Uh, different winners and this is vital to the excitement of any championship to have multiple different winners. We see it very much in the British Touring Car Championship which has an excellent formula for allowing many different teams to, to come to the fore and win races and I hope that we're heading in that direction uh, we're heading in that direction for, um, for the V8 Supercar Championship. Fingers crossed that we will. In race three, we saw Scott McLaughlin winning his second race of the weekend, um, but very, very narrowly holding off a charging Lee Holdsworth, another name that we haven't seen campaigning for wins for a number of seasons now. But Lee actually had a small technical issue in the last couple of laps, and that meant that meant that uh, he was, uh, you know, that just curtailed his, his progress slightly. But... The main thing was that we saw other drivers battling, shaking up the order, getting in and about these, these Penske Fords and Triple Eight Holdens. That is exactly what the sport needs. Now, almost by accident, the sport is also of supercars has also landed on something that could be crucial to the success and survival of the series going forward. Of course, we saw an incredibly limited number of personnel, just 11 personnel to run the car, and it's a run two cars, sorry, and a driver for each car. Now, that is, um, for some teams, that will be a fifth of what they normally come to the track with, with PR people, with corporate entertainment, etc. Now, corporate entertainment will remain uh, important, of course, but it strikes me that, I mean, certainly there was absolutely nothing wrong uh, with the, uh, the sporting spectacle. In fact, quite the opposite. That was one of the best... Uh, certainly the best V8 supercar racing weekend I can remember for a couple of seasons, actually. Uh, really, really exciting stuff, which was brilliant to see. And actually, in the pit stops, particularly what with a reduced crew, 
you really got to see much more of what was going on in the pit stops and that difference between taking two tires or four or even as Percat showed taking three tires and I think when you when when you see a car come into pit lane and just you know basically get four new tires and a load of fuel and it's off again in five seconds to me that's not it's not relatable to the fan in the stands really it doesn't really make make much um, and it also happens so quickly that you can't really appreciate what the what the team are doing when you have to watch the, the the mechanics really work and run around the car and change the tires and you know that made it really really exciting but all of that aside cost is one of the biggest things if you can reduce the number of people that you require to run a v8 supercar or any form of motorsport that's going to have an enormous cost saving over a year because of course you've got the t- the personnel salary but you also have their travel accommodation subsistence all of these things and it, to, to me, it also puts a lot more essence on the driver to be adaptable. You heard a lot of the drivers speaking very highly of the new format and basically they weren't allowed or they didn't have the opportunity to fiddle around with the car too much and a lot of the drivers really welcomed that. They just had to get in and drive what they had. So I really think that this, the actually V8 supercars have kind of landed on a formula but almost by accident. Of course, the new formula is very much focused around social distancing and being able to race safely uh, while the coronavirus is still uh, at large. Um, but they, I think they, they've proven uh, that a, a much reduced paddock uh, can really um, can really help the survival of um, of racing um, in in categories all over the world. So very very interesting uh, indeed. Now, the championship order, um, finally, we'll just go through that. Scott McLaughlin leads uh, in his DGR Team Penske Ford Mustang with 574 points, but Jamie Wincup not too far behind at all with 525 points. He's been incredibly consistent throughout the year so far. In third, Chaz Mostert with 432 points, so not far behind either. Uh, Chaz, of course, with a new team this year with Andretti Walkinshaw United, and we have not seen one of their drivers anywhere near this high in the championship uh, up to now. So it's brilliant to see that that combination working really well because Chaz is a properly good driver, and it's great to see him up there. And of course, Chaz as well. For those who follow him on Instagram, etc., he's a brilliant personality as well. Also, his arch nemesis, Cam Waters, who he was teammates with last year and, of course, famously clashed on a number of occasions and most famously at uh, the chase at Bathurst where they were both taken out of the race, uh, unfortunately, with, caused, caused by uh, Chaz Moster. But Cam Waters, he sits in fourth place in the championship with 411 points. Shane Van Gisbergen, the other, the number 97, Triple Eight Red Bull Holden driver, he sits in 8th on just 353 points, but he has been really, really unlucky so far. In Adelaide, he had a couple of technical failures, which let him down and cost him a lot of points. Um, but it's a long, long season, and do not be surprised to see him competing for the championship later on in the year. So that is V8 Supercars. We are back running with one of my favourite series in the world. Um, We're hoping it will be off to Winton for the next round. However, there have been a couple of complications over the last couple of days with the Australian um, Australian state border regulations where certain borders are open, certain borders are closed. So it might be that the, the calendar needs to be reshuffled again, but... 
the ball is rolling and the opportunity to go racing again is back. And what a great thing that is. And of course, also with V8 Supercars being up and running, we have many other series back and running again over the next few weeks. So there will be lots to come here on the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you uh, enjoyed it. And I look forward um, to, to speaking to you again very soon. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Mackay Podcast. Instagram is at Peter Mackay Motorsport. And Facebook is just Peter Mackay. So you can get in touch with me through there. Uh, also, uh, don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and you will never miss an episode. So thanks very much for listening and speak to you again very soon.